damn it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, tonight, I had the chance to sit down with a good friend of mine named Steven Vandervoort. Steven is one of the most genuine people I know, and he's so positive and always such a joy to be around. He is the co-owner of Ten Ford Creative, an event producer, a carpenter, and a pretty big Blazer fan, too. And we had a great time talking about all kinds of stuff. So check it out. Here's Steven Vandervoort. I had uh, Mexican food for dinner tonight. Ooh. And last night. Two nights in a row? So cerveza seems pretty. Those are my favorite. Apropos. Do you, do you drink these very often? No. I like them because they're cheap. Are they? They're $11 for 12. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, cheers. Cheers. So, start things off. I was just thinking about this tonight. Yes. You hug. I'm a hugger, dude. Every single time you show up anywhere. And there's a sweet virus out that's spread by physical touch. <laughs> I'm screwed. Yes. You yeah, prop dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a hugger. My mom programmed that into me. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom, <clears throat> she um, is like very energetic uh -huh. and is like loves to laugh and like she's like super gregarious like that. Um, my dad, like he's similar in that he likes to uh, you know, laugh and have a good time too. But my mom is like a hugger. And so I just got programmed young age. So I, I get like throughout younger life, mm -hmm. what's unique about you. And I don't mean this in as anything other than a compliment. I won't take it any other way. It's very endearing. Yeah. Everybody knows it. They're like, when Steven shows up, I'm getting a hug. That's right. doesn't matter if you're a homeless dude uh, or the most wealthy person in the room. They're yes. getting a hug. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, maybe I don't hug rich people that often. <laughs> I, I'd be interested to, can you pull up the data? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's my traditional greeting. So like if I, if I don't get to give someone a hug that I love, like, on the way in or on the way out, then I feel like I have missed a step. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, like, you know, it's in there. It's programmed. Yeah. It's Can't do great. About it. It's great. And I always appreciate the, the intro hugs. I'm terrible at saying goodbye. Oh yeah. I, there's like some weird thing. I've, I've done it ever since I was in high school. You know, you're like at a party mm -hmm. or a birthday or whatever, like, just it gets really awkward and you have to say goodbye to everybody. And I always try to avoid that. Yeah. See, I feel guilty for like ghosting mm -hmm. when I'm leaving. Like I feel like I need to say goodbye to everyone in the room. Yeah. Probably not because I feel like some self-righteous importance that is overinflated. I'm not sure that's it. More like I, I want to make sure that like everyone that, I know and love like knows that I'm gone <laughs> <laughs> and and that I love them. Yeah. No, it's, it's like, you know, I, I don't think about it like this every time, but 
many times, especially with like unexpected deaths of like people that you love, family or friends or something like that, you know, you always have those, those thoughts of like, what could I have done differently the last time we talked or something like that? Like a lot of times I'll think like, you know, um, I may never see this person again. Mm. Not because it's anything of my choosing, but you know, life just works out funny that way sometimes. That's very cool to hear you say that. I don't, I'm not always as present as you make it sound, but I do think about that a lot when I think of people I haven't seen in a long time. Sure. You think about like, I don't know, one of your uncles or, or somebody that you went to college with or something. When you said goodbye to that person, you may not have been thinking that. Sure. That was 10 years ago and mm-hmm. you haven't seen him again. Yeah, totally. And you may never see them again. Yes. That was it. Yes. That moment. Yes. And I mean, for me, I moved 3,000 miles away mm-hmm. for college. And I didn't realize when I was leaving Portland. To, it's not Portland. It's Tigard. I said Portland when I moved to Oklahoma City because no one, you know, a suburb doesn't yeah. make any sense. But now having lived in Portland... It's very disingenuous for me to say that I grew up in Portland. Yeah. I grew up in Tigard. <laughs> yes. There's a difference. <laughs> yes. Anyways, when I when I moved from Tigard, um, you know, it's 3,000 miles away. And I didn't realize that, like, I was permanently moving out of my parents' house. I did move back in. We all did. We all did. With my wife and kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that, but maybe I will in the future. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I was totally unaware and like happily unaware. It's not like I was intentionally that like I was making a big life change and, you know, going off and doing my own thing. And I guess there's this like natural assumption that whenever I left for college, that like when I got back, everything would just be the same Mm -hmm. as far as like family, where they are, friends, where they are, everything like that. So it was a bit surprising when I came home. I came home after freshman year and I was only home for like three weeks. And then I went and took an internship summer for the summer and didn't really see many people, but like life had changed a little bit. And obviously like my parents had been really respectful of like my space at the house, but you know, stuff had moved around and stuff. And I was, I kind of got this reminder. I was like, Oh yeah, like stuff's changing. They keep your room the same? Yeah. I mean, my parents still live in the same house that they moved into when they brought me home from the hospital. Wow. Yeah. Not big on not big on housing changes. They almost moved all the way across the street. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> like out the front door, across the street. It's too much. Slow down. Out door. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The neighbor was thinking about moving somewhere else. And so they said that if they listed their house, they would put an offer on it Uh, i moved like that one time i moved literally around the corner like if we walked we didn't have a backyard we were in an apartment but if you looked out the back window like in our bedroom like over to the right you could see where our future house was so we lived in an apartment for like three months and then (laughs) i got a phone call i won't name names i got a phone call from the landlord who's the landlord in both places and she was like, the business office from the company that we were renting from is not organized enough to know who lives where. The people have just moved out of this house 
you can pack up your things and go live in that house and continue paying the same amount of money that you are for this apartment. Whoa. That's cool. <laughs> and no one will ever know besides me. That's pretty crazy to own an apartment complex yeah. and a house. Yeah. It was a lot of properties. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, we lived in a three-bed, one-bath, one-car garage, huge lot. I mean, the lot went forever. Super tall trees. There was a huge deck out back, definitely built for a hot tub. There was no hot tub there. Uh, we paid three twenty-five a month. Three twenty-five. <laughs> it's a joke. It's was this joke. in Wenatchee? No, this is in Oklahoma City. Oh. Three twenty-five. I mean, it's like insulting to even say that now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, we have friends that are like generational wealthy, right? And I'm not a generational wealthy. I don't come from that type of family. Yeah. But like, without that person, my old landlord giving us that opportunity to save money for a year for a down payment. Like, I don't think I could have ever afforded a house. Yeah. And because I bought that first house, did some cosmetic changes to it. I was able to sell it for more than we bought it for. And I was able to take that check and put it into our next house. Mm -hmm. And so like, I can't understand, I can't like overstate, understate. I can't overstate like how much of a leg up that person gave my wife and I to like, Go do that. Like, I didn't understand at this time. I was like, sweet, I get a garage. You know, like, that was what I was excited about. Like, you know, I can get an oil drain pan so I can do my own oil changes. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't understand was, like, this person is literally setting me up for my real estate life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, life's about those tiny little situations that can totally change the course of everything. It's like the butterfly effect, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't realize it in the moment. Oh, of course not. No. Later. Uh, so this was this was a woman who was in charge of managing them, but mm-hmm. not the landlord. Right. So the landlord... It was a company. The landlord still had, still to this day has no idea. You just like took over a different part of his property? Yeah. I think that one of the, one or both of the properties are leveled now. So... Oh, I mean, really? Have you been back there? Uh, like driven by, but yeah, it's been a long time. It's been years. You, you know, the best thing to do, I do this a lot nowadays, uh, I just go to Google Maps and go to Street View mm, mm-hmm. and just look at things I used to live next to or whatever. I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think there was a political yard sign in front of that house in one of the Street Views. And it was not for the candidate that everyone in Oklahoma was voting for. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, I haven't been anywhere in the Midwest. I, I have this vision of what it is, you know, just flat, boring. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that, there anything to do? That's why there's it's a big sky. It's just because, I mean, literally, if you think about like field of vision, big sky because there's no hills. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. No trees, no hills, nothing impeding your view. Yeah. So we, we flew to Nashville in uh, September mm-hmm. and I, I've flown over the middle of the country a few times, but I guess I never paid attention. And this time when we flew over, I looked out the window for like two hours and you could see uh, fields, agriculture for the entire two hours. Yeah. And I was just amazed. It just went on forever and ever. Yeah. Oklahoma City is interesting in that they passed a 
percentage tax on income in the, or maybe sales, I, I don't know if sales or income, in the city to do some like redevelopment. And so the downtown Oklahoma City has changed a lot since I've lived there. Mm-hmm. And they've really kind of turned that into a pretty legit downtown area. They've got like this huge park. They have a new convention center. They have a new, they have Chesapeake Energy Arena, which attracted the thunder to town. Okay. They have this whole like, um, fake river boardwalk area downtown, but like you travel in any direction, like 10 miles mm-hmm. and you're in the sticks. So it's just interesting that like someone a long time ago got to like some point. Yeah. It was like forest running. And he's like, I think I'm going to stop here. <laughs> you know, That must be where the wagon That's, broke down. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yes. Well, this will probably do. Stan's wagon wheel shop was happened to be there. And they're like, this is Oklahoma City now. Yeah. We live here. Well, and the crazy thing is, is like, it's not even, I mean, you could hang out there various times of the year and I'm sure it's pleasurable, but mm-hmm. then you got to deal with all the hurricanes and everything. Yeah, dude. So I had, a, yes. What's the redeeming quality besides $325 rent on a house? Right. The, um, I had a job downtown. I worked at a homeless shelter. Did you know that? I worked mm. at a, I was a case manager at a homeless shelter. No, I don't think you were For a little that. over a year. And there was a tornado warning, not a, um, let's see, it goes from a warning from a something. I forget. It's been too long. Anyways, that was like the, the elevated tier of it. And it was going through where I lived in Northwest Oklahoma city. And so I left work in a hurry and drove home. And as I was driving home, the tornado was arriving in that part of town. So I like parked near the tornado shelter and went downstairs and met my wife downstairs in this building that we were meeting at. And like, it's insane. I never want to experience any type of weather event like that again, but it's like, after after a tornado or some event like that moves through, it's like a lot of times just beautifully clear, still skies afterwards. Yeah. So it's like really eerie whenever it leaves behind like this path of destruction because like it's like hell outside when you go into the building or the shelter. Yeah. And then when you come out, it's like like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Except that there's a car on top of a building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it is crazy. The thing that's annoying about Oklahoma city weather is that it's like someone is following you around with a hair dryer on full blast. Okay. It's just windy forever. Okay. Huh? So like when I had a garage and I enjoyed working on my car in the driveway, cause the garage was too small to get the car in the garage, but I'd have the garage door open. And stuff would be like falling off of the workbench or shelves or stuff yeah. because the wind was so powerful into the garage. Wow. So, and this is constant all the, t- all yeah, the time? Yeah, it's like year? all the time. Huh. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. It's super windy. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that there's no mountains to break it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'm just a lowly idiot, but I would guess something like that is yeah. the reason why. Yeah. Seems legit. Yes. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know Hood River area, obviously. Yeah, I grew up in the Dallas. Yes, right. Oh, exactly. yeah, it's so you very like windy. get up the hill, and it's just like the wind on top of a bluff or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you look out or something like that. It's like that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And when it's not, it's like, oh, the weather's so nice. 
The only thing that's changed is the wind is gone. Dude, I wonder why they haven't built like some massive pools for the windsurfers. Mm. That could be that could be a business option for somebody. The largest two lakes in Oklahoma City are man-made lakes. Yeah. Hefner and Overholzer. Overholzer? Overholzer. Oh, some sort of... But that was also the place that all of the conservative college Christian kids would go to with their girlfriends and boyfriends. So we called it Hold Me Closer. Lake nice. Hold Me Closer. Nice. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> Zinger. Uh, but yeah, the so in Lake Hefner, there's wind sports on Lake Hefner. It's okay. Enough. Okay. So somebody already beat me to it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, dude. Damn. Uh, so let's go back to uh, the tornado mm-hmm. because that's cool. Yeah. You okay? So you're you're hanging out. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of working, and you were at the homeless shelter. Yeah. Literally talking to a homeless person. Okay. And then you hear a siren. There, I was watching the. I was on my computer, and so I had like a tab open of the weather. I don't think I was on Twitter yet. I definitely, that's, I'm definitely a Twitter person. So that's like where I'd be now, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to think, I think I may have been just like watching a feed of local news or something like that. And they break it really far down whenever it's a tornado. They, they have some sort of telestrator type device that they can draw an arrow across the radar and then it will map out it knows the speed of the tornado moving and it will map out like the individual neighborhoods and cities that it's rolling over. And it will give you times that it's like going to reach this city at this time, this city at this time, this city at this time. How can they calculate that though? I well, thought that was the whole point of a tornado. It does whatever it wants. Well, yeah, it like goes up and down when it wants. But as far as like the speed at which it moves, mm-hmm. it's in my experience, pretty constant. Okay. Whether it's like up in the stratosphere or on the ground okay so you are sitting there yes watching what year is this this is um what year is this this is 20 2000, 2009 2009 yeah okay so you're hanging out you're doing some stevie v stuff mm-hmm. looking at the internet mm-hmm. trying to figure out the path my office has no windows too which is a little <laughs> bit more eerie <laughs> I literally have four solid uh, drywalled walls. You're going to be fine. With a fine. solid wood door. I have zero windows in my office. Oh, man. I, I worked swing shift, too. So I worked 2 to 10 or 1 to 10. Yeah. And so whenever I'd get to work, you know, it's light out. And then I'd, like, emerge out of my office. And it's just like, you know. Yeah. It's dark out. Yeah. Everyone went to bed. Yeah. Anyways, so, yes, I, I... Saw that the tornado's path was through the neighborhood in which I lived. And I don't remember if I got permission to leave or not. I mean, like, at that point, like, who's going to give me permission? Why, why do I need to ask yeah, for permission? Exactly. No, you, yeah. But anyways, I left. And I was either driving my friend's Honda Civic or nice. my BMW 3 Series, mm-hmm. which was a total car that I bought for $800. Is this the one that you've been fixing up no. for many years? No, no. Okay. Different one. Okay. And I raced back to where I lived and I like timed it. So I didn't intentionally time it, but the timing worked out that I was like 
going to get into the neighborhood just like minutes before this tornado was supposed to be there. And I'd been texting with my wife to, I kind of said that like Bora, my wife. I've been texting <laughs> with my wife about like where she was. Yeah. And the text messages stopped going through and I figured that was either one of two reasons. One, the towers are busy because everyone's communicating or two, she's made it underground and it's not getting reception. So I pulled up to the building that I know she's in, park somewhere outside. What's funny is I still remember like properly parking. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like backing up, getting yeah, right exactly, in. Exactly. Right. Like, like, you know, at some point, some things don't matter, Stephen. Yeah. That's, that's a life theme. Anyways, so I'm like properly parking. I race inside, meet up with her. And we're like in the second basement floor of a university building. And so it's, it's pretty far down. We're probably like, 20 feet underground, 20 or 30 feet underground. And this is built specifically for this reason. It's like an academic building with two basement floors to be used as a community tornado shelter. Yes. So when they built the academic building, yeah. they're like, this is probably going to be a place people can hang out. Yes. And so they, they announced that to everyone and they're like, we'll take in anybody. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, that your garbage collection day is Tuesday night. You know that if this happens outside then you run into this building okay yeah you just plan for it mm -hmm. huh. so unless you have a shelter at home yeah which we did not at our house our rental house so yeah ran downstairs and you know the sirens are going off the siren by the way is on top of this building so it's like loud yeah tornado sirens um are well the ones that i experienced are directional so as, you know, the tornado siren, it kind of goes up in tone and then down in tone. Okay. It, as it goes up, it speeds up its turning. And then as it goes down in tone, it slows down its turning. Okay. So like the way the, the sound hits you, it's at, like you hear it all the time. Okay. But for a few seconds, it's like aimed right at you. Yeah. And it's super loud. Yeah. And it's designed that way so that it can cover a longer radius uh -huh. distance so then they can put the next one further away than if it was just blaring the same dude and i imagine it's terrifying like i, oh, yeah. I feel anxious right now just thinking about it on the building like pointing at me yeah if you heard that today would you like get a little nervous uh yeah 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 like sometimes what's funny is like sometimes uh, some songs like you know sample in some sort of mm -hmm. siren it's like whenever you're listening to something on spotify and it's got like some police siren in it and you're just like oh crap you know <laughs> and then you're like oh it's the song yeah 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 um you know the tornado siren every time i hear that too like that's what i think about yeah we were fine i mean it it passed through the city it like took some branches down flip a lot of times the damage is very narrow in path sure it's not like a hurricane that just like demolishes miles and miles and miles of something mm -hmm. tornado is pretty a lot of times pretty thin and so it just destroys whatever it's rolling through sure sometimes and so everybody in town has a copy of twister right <laughs> right they just live in it <laughs> that movie man that was like what 98 or something 96 yeah. or 98 yeah and that was like 
Kevin Costner movie, right? Uh, no, it was... No. Uh, oh, Dennis Quaid. I think it's Bill Pullman. Oh. I think it's Bill Pullman. What am I thinking of? It's definitely Helen Hunt, but okay, I yes. think the dude was Bill Pullman. Okay. I'm terrible at this. I shouldn't even be trying to do this. That's okay. I'm bad. Uh, that movie, I, I remember it being cool when I was younger. I kind of want to go back and watch it now and see how terrible it is, because I bet it's pretty bad. It's definitely one of those movies that whenever you're traveling for work and you've just got like the TV on in the hotel room that you're in, yeah, you'll just be flipping the it's channels. You're like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Found it. Uh, Flip the next channel. Oh, there's Independence Day. Yeah, <laughs> Found it. Exactly. <laughs> like, whatever that list is called. Yeah. Yeah. Cable channel syndication. No, dude. I did that the other day with my kids. I was like, uh, uh, something, something. What are we going to watch? You want to do? They're like, what's Independence Day? And I go, we haven't watched that yet. <laughs> you don't know about Will Smith yeah. just smacking? Everybody's seen that movie. What do you mean you haven't seen that? Yeah. That's one of those ones. That's funny. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is Twister. And then there was, what was that other Dante's Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak was yes. uh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. That's I right. I think before he became Bond. Yeah. That one's pretty bad. So, yeah. That's I, that's the volcano. I, yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched that recently enough to understand that it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that young enough when it was just like mind blowing that this could happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember watching it at a young age and being like, this is not very good. Mm -hmm. And if you know that when you're a kid, it's right. going to be pretty bad. Right. Um, that, that, was a, that was a weird time period where there was a lot of like Armageddon type movies yeah, totally. and like natural disasters. Uh -huh. you know, we don't really see those anymore, right? It's right. more, I mean, it feels like it's just superheroes now. Climate change, we're just living it. Mm -hmm. yeah, why, why, like, why make a movie out of it when we can just walk outside? <laughs> it's real life. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's 17 February? No need to make a movie about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just hop in the pool. Don't ask questions. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, tornadoes in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And uh, what was the other thing I want to ask you? Uh, the federal building. Did they? What did they do with that? Did they rebuild it? Uh, that was the... The bombing, the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they turned that into a um, memorial. Okay. Yeah. It is. So I wasn't there when the bombing happened. Bombing happened pre me moving to Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think that was like 97. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, yeah. I'm not fresh on my Oklahoma City history. You're going to look it up. I am. Um, they turned the building into a pretty sweet memorial like sweet as in like 95 very yeah that sounds right sure very um appropriate they preserved a lot of aspects of like what happened to the building mm -hmm. there's a tree outside that somehow survived the blast and so they like built this gigantic deck around the tree and called it the survivor tree like the whole building face 20 feet away from the tree was blown off but yeah. for some reason the tree lived hmm. um they've got a reflecting pool you can you know tour part of the building did it a couple times nice i was involved in student government at the university at which i intended and there was a group of incoming student body presidents from like universities that came to oklahoma city to meet and so that was one of the places that 
we'd go. That's kind of like a it was a it was a heavy touristy place to go. Yeah. Not as in like heavy with tourists. It was like heavy to experience. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I went to uh the Dachau concentration camp mm. about one year ago. One year ago in a couple of days. Um and that is heavy. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Sure. I think that's a good word. Sure. To the... Mar- Marty McFly. <laughs> Copyright Marty Why is McFly. everything heavy in the future? What's going on? Um, yeah, to I mean, I wonder I wonder if you could go to a place like that and not know something had happened, but still feel it. Sure. Yeah. Like if you're if you didn't have a tour guide. Yeah, or if yeah, if you were just some native tribesman in Papua New Guinea and they just plopped you right next to the Oklahoma City Federal Building. Like I wonder sure. if you could feel something was different. Sure. Yeah. It's environmental design, man. Yeah. 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 So would you say that your your time there was was pleasant were, were you like oh this is cool were you just like this is a defined amount of time i'm gonna be here and then i'm out so i went to oklahoma city the university inside in oklahoma or outside of oklahoma city because they simply offered me the most money mm-hmm. which is out of all the schools that i applied for in scholarship in scholarship fund? yeah okay. yeah um no for my modeling career <laughs> i was kidding. How's that working be, out? It's going to be the face of the catalog, you know. <laughs> we'll just do your We'll face. just give you gobs of money. All yeah. you have to do is smile and show your yellow teeth. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah. So they, they gave me a good amount of scholarship money. And so that's why I went. And I, I knew, you know, just like any other 18-year-old who's an idiot, I realized that this was like an important decision. But I didn't realize like the life altering consequences of the decision. I did understand that out of all the universities I wanted to attend, it was outside of Portland. I did understand that like college is a great time to go experience something that you're totally unaware of because you just have no strings attached to who you are. I had a 96 Monte Carlo at the time, which is a land yacht. It's a Lumina. You need to you need to look it up. I do. Uh, Ninety six. You see Luminas a lot because Carlo. it's a four door. So the the Lumina is the four door version of the Monte Carlo. Okay. The Monte Carlo. Oh yeah, dude. So I bought it from a chiropractor. Of course you did. Who was selling it on behalf of his mother? I was gonna say, did an old it's lady a grandma on it? car? It's yes. Totally. Yeah. My grandma would drive that. Right. And it was a super first car for me. It was like I bought it for like three thousand bucks. I think I bought it for 3500 bucks. It had 50,000 miles on it. And I kept it for like 10 years. 8 or 10 years. And I sold it for 2000 bucks. <laughs> like the cost car, the car cost me 1500 bucks. I had one major repair that my dad insisted that he wanted to pay for. Okay. Well, you're, you're so, good at fixing cars anyway. So you probably did all the oil changes and everything. I did yeah. some, but yeah. I'm also in college. So yeah. it's like, you know, I don't have a lot of time to devote to that type exactly. of stuff. Anyways. But I, so I bought the car, drove to Oklahoma City, and I knew that I didn't want to, 
I didn't go in assuming that I was not going to live in Oklahoma City, but after having lived in Oklahoma City, I figured that I was not going to stay there. Yeah. The people were super nice. In fact, the first time I went shopping, like grocery store shopping, mm-hmm. I, was, <laughs> I went to buy for less, which as I learned later, people on the college campus called it die for less because it was not in a great place of town. <laughs> <laughs> in the ghetto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I, w- I went to buy for less and I was like on some, I, I don't even remember what I was shopping for. And I'm by myself. I know like a handful of people at this university. My parents took me down, helped me move in. But this is like into this school year. They're gone. Just need some stuff. And I'm, I'm standing on this aisle and I'm like looking at the shelf and I'm, obviously deciding like between this and that or something mm-hmm. like that. And some random woman that's next to me on the aisle just is like, Oh honey, this is an easy decision. You need this one right here. And just like <laughs> totally did not ask for this. Yeah. Just unsolicited. Yeah. And she's like, you know, willing to offer her advice. So, you know, so did you go with what she recommended? Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna offend her. <laughs> yeah, that's when you get shamed. <laughs> right, right. So, like, the people were super kind, super kind. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember flying back, or maybe I, yeah, I think I flew back first before I drove back. I remember flying back. Yeah, I did fly back. And as I was landing in PDX, I was like, wow, there's texture outside. There's like th- things to look at, yeah. not even things to do. Like I'm not cool enough to ski or snowboard. Like I, I don't think I'm coordinated enough and I need another expensive hobby. Like I need another hole in my head. Yeah. So like, I just don't, I'll, I'll go to snow bunny on mountain hood on Mount hood. Yeah. Mountain hood. <laughs> I'll go to, I'll, you said that like a foreigner. That's right, that's right. Mountain hood. I thought you said you were from Florida. Please take me to the mountain hood. Uh, I'll, I'll like get a tube from a tire store mm-hmm. and graciously fall down a hill. Like yeah. that's the level of sport yeah. I participate in. Anyways, but I remember flying back into town and I was like, wow, this place is beautiful. It's true. I, man, I've been here for a long time and uh, the, the overcast rainy stuff mm-hmm. really starts to get to me. Kind of yeah. like the seasonal depression stuff. Yeah, totally. And so every time I go somewhere that is consistently sunny, I'm like, man, this is where it's at. But it doesn't matter. Every time I fly back into the city and it's just, it's like 65 Mm -hmm. and there's always clouds Mm -hmm. and you think it's about to start raining, it still feels like home, you know? Sure. Yeah, totally. I I still kind of miss it. And I land, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is kind of cool. I like it. I do not identify at all with the people that can't stand the rain. Yeah. Because I grew up in it. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't have eyes to see it. So when someone mentions that, you know, they struggle with the amount of rain and can't see the sun and stuff like that, I, I'm i just like, well, that's just the way it is, dude. Yeah. You know, of course, my perspective. Well, we, we're lucky because it never really stays that long. I think, I mean, I don't have that much experience because I've been here for so long, but when it rains in most other places, it's going to rain all day. 
Yeah, Here? or like in Arizona where you used to live. Yeah. It'll just dump, dump buckets for like 15 minutes. Yeah, and then everything and will then, flood. And then it's flooded yeah. and then you walk outside and you feel like you're swimming because it's so humid. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, none of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that part's pretty cool. And then we do get, we do get a really good summer. Yeah, we do. Yeah. You know what I love is I follow the NBA. Mm-hmm. I love seeing... NBA players realize how sweet Portland is during the summer. Because, <laughs> like, you know, Portland is a, is a relatively small major metro. Yeah. Small market is what you call it in the NBA, you know. Yeah. And so whenever a player sticks around in Portland, I, I love seeing their tweets and Instagrams that are just like, oh, man, Portland summer is sweet. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like some sort of secret. Yeah. We've inadvertently kept it a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's that yin and yang thing, too, because you get, you got to deal with some crap for a little while, mm-hmm. and then you get that beautiful summer, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just live in Phoenix, yeah, it's sunny all the time, and you're like, okay, well. That was, that was the issue when I lived there. I was only, uh, I was 20, and I turned 21 when I lived there, and I got so sick of wearing shorts. Oh. Because I like wearing pants. Sure. And I wore shorts every day for like seven months. Shout out Prana Pants. <laughs> Have you got some Prana Pants yet? No. <laughs> Dude, me too. I hear they're pretty good. Yeah. Hargis likes them. Quigs likes them. Oh, Quigs likes them too? Yep. Yep. Shout out Quigs. <laughs> Prana Pants. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I need to make this happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yes, it's, I, I could totally get that. I'm sweaty. I'm a sweaty boy. Yeah. Sweaty boy. I sweat all the time, mm-hmm. which is fun when you're a hugger. Yeah. <laughs> it's more personal. It's more personal. Find out who loves you. He's kind of moist, <laughs> but he's so caring. Right. He's going to keep going with this right. hug. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, if, if it was like humid, and Oklahoma City was humid all the time. Okay. Not all the time. A lot. Okay. Um, I would love to do shorts. But yeah, yeah I... I don't know that I would get sick of shorts. That's... Yeah. No, I mean, I was obviously really dumb. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> no, I, I was living in a, a pretty decent place and I just had everything to complain about. I went to spring training with my dad in 2004. Oh, really? Yeah. What's that, like March? Early March? Yeah, it's spring breakish. Yeah. 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 It was, um, went to see the Mariners. Okay. Group of Mariners fan. And I, oh, and we also went to the NHRA drag races. Okay. I don't remember what drag strip we were at. I didn't realize they did that in Arizona. Yeah. That most of that stuff was in Florida. They have like a tour they go on basically. Uh, okay. Same, same type of stuff. But yeah, we, my dad was interested, still is interested in drag racing. And so we went, just him and I down there to go to spring training, watch the Mariners, and go to the drag race. Nice. It was like all the the biggest names in drag racing there. Cool. Top fuel cars. My dad got Barry Bonds' autograph Dude. at spring training. My dad... In person? Took a leak in the urinal next to Barry Bonds. <laughs> and that's when he got him to sign it? <laughs> He's like, uh, Mr. Bonds, Turned I got this card. I know you're a little busy right now. <laughs> you got two hands, bro. 
No, yeah, he waited until he got out of the bathroom and asked him. And my dad didn't have anything to give him to sign. And so he gave, <laughs> he opened up his wallet and uh, my dad gave him my school picture. Like, you, you know, those, you know, school pictures give you like 7,000 wallets. Yeah. You know, just a Most sheet. just throw them away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what do you, I don't have 48 sets of grandparents. Yeah. Who am I going to give this to? Yeah. They can't see this small anyways. Yeah. So yeah, one of those ended up in my dad's wallet and Barry Bond signed the back of it. That is the best. So I have, I have, you know, those like hard plastic jewel, like baseball card oh, yeah. protectors. I used to collect, dude, when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. I have my card <laughs> in one of those. Your mug. Because it has Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds' autograph looks like 1313 with some scribble because that's like 1-3 is how he wrote his Bs. Yeah, yeah. So at first my dad was like, look what I got. And he gave it to me. I'm like, 1313. Like, <laughs> is that our ticket in? Yeah. Why is it on my picture? <laughs> yeah. You put that on my picture, Dad? Right. right. Yeah. He's like, no, it's Barry Bonds' autograph. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I want to say like... God, I must have been like 10 or so. I I don't know where I got the idea because I couldn't have come up with it myself. Uh, but I started taking cards of people that I wanted to get signed mm. and I put it in an envelope and then I'd put a return address envelope oh, with yeah. a stamp nice. inside yeah. and I'd send it to, dude, I sent it to Clyde Drexler, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, Barry Bonds, Nolan Ryan, nice. David Robinson, Dude, I had so many, I had probably 15 autographs. That's awesome. And it was so cool because you'd send it out and, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back on it, I imagine they had to have had somebody else doing oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way they were signing each of them right. personally. Did they return actual, the actual item that you sent to them? Well, here's the deal. So I sent it out to all these different guys, and some of them, like David Robinson signed with a gold pen, and oh, that was so cool to right. a 10-year-old. I was right. like, what? Right. And um, I can melt this off and get 25 cents. This <laughs> was so much money, dude. Uh, and... So uh, all the Blazers, like I was just saying, and uh, then I sent one to Nolan Ryan, uh -huh. and he sent back this huge. It was not what I sent him. Yeah, and whatever, it was fine. His looked really shitty though because he was pretty old at that point, sure. and you could tell he's like uh, yeah, developing some Parkinson's or something, dude. It was <laughs> all shakes. over the place. Uh, but then Barry Bonds, yeah, I sent Barry Bonds, probably like a four dollar baseball card uh -huh. I don't know, something that was worth money to me sure probably didn't mean anything to anyone else right but he sends back you know how did you guys ever get fran's bread oh yeah yes you, you know how sometimes you'd get baseball or basketball cards inside there absolutely and they're worthless correct i was worthless I, I would still get annoyed though when my bread loaf would bend that card like yeah. if, if it was at the very end of the loaf if because it, it, it was always at the bottom, mm -hmm. if it would make its way like up one of the sides or to the back, I'd be like, "Yeah, this one's bent." <laughs> Mom, go get some more bread. <laughs> yeah, just slamming the toes <laughs> right. to get more cards. Right. Why is our son eating yeah. so much bread? Anyways, friends cards, yes. Yeah, so he, he, I don't know what the purpose of that was. He, he must have just had like a fat stack that they gave him, and he kept my card. And signed the Franz one and sent it back to me. And I open it. I'm just like, what is this, dude? This is not what I sent you. 
That's but, how he made his millions, dude. He was skimming some cards off of some children internationally. Well, all those people that signed those cards and sent them back to me, they're doing it for thousands of people. Oh, yeah. So those, no, those dude, aren't even the worth only anything. <laughs> yeah. I got the only one ever. Yes. And that's what I didn't understand then. Every time I got one, I was just like, I'm a millionaire. This is... <laughs> Dude, I'm like, let's sell the house, mom and dad, because I'm taking it. care of you, you know? <laughs> right. right. But really... I've at least got dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got McDonald's. It's on me. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, that the, the quantity that they were going through to make that happen makes those probably not worth anything. You know, I, I'd love to find Certainly out... Certainly not to the person signing the card, at least. Yeah. And... I'd love to find out who has signed something the least, you know, oh, yeah. there's gotta be some person out there that's just like a major asshole and doesn't want anything <laughs> right. to do with anybody. Right. And he only signed like one first grandma yes. 15 years ago. It's like that meme, that Michael Jordan meme. Yeah. F them kids. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, did you see him at Kobe's thing? Uh, did you watch so, that? I didn't watch. I, I saw the highlights on Twitter, but okay. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I was I was busy. I was I think I was doing a show. Uh, uh, yeah, I got paid to watch it, oh, so nice. that's why yeah. I was watching it. Yeah, sure. He yeah, crying Jordan in real life. He crying Jordan in real life, uh -huh. which I'm not saying anything about his emotions or his ability to get worked up over Kobe because that's that's cool, whatever. Yeah, but he left them on his cheek the entire time he was talking. Oh, and the whole time. I'm sitting there. I'm like, why doesn't he wipe them off? It looks so weird. Like, we know you're crying, dude. Just wipe yeah. them off. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Man, that whole thing. I was just meeting with a friend earlier today that was talking about riding in helicopters. Mm -hmm. She was in the army. And that was like the first thing I thought about was Kobe's death via helicopter. It seemed... It seemed abnormal when I first heard about it, but mm -hmm. then I heard later that he's been flying in helicopters yeah. twice a day for 20 years. Kawhi Leonard like, commented specifically about the pilot of the helicopter that was flying the helicopter, and I was like, I have ridden with him lots of times, and he's been a great pilot. Yeah. Well, and It's got to be a small community. I, I don't know if this is true or not. I heard someone say it, that he and his wife had some sort of pact that they would never fly together. Oh. In case that happened, then their children would be alone. Wow. So, I mean, he was flying enough where they had supposedly had so some sort of agreement, you know? Crazy. Crazy. The only type of agreement that people of my class take is, you know, if I'm not married by this date, <laughs> we're getting <laughs> I together. I forgot about that one. Has anyone, have you experienced anyone, uh, Holding true to a pact like well, that? Well, no. No one's hit me up recently, but I did make that pact with a number of, dude, of ladies. Dude, you got to hit those up. Uh, yeah, I Mid should. Mid-30s. I, I think should try to there, remember right? who I said it to and then be like, hey, <laughs> you remember that thing? It's like Slide that into the DMs like, hey, remember when we were 12? <laughs> I'm sure that'll work out well. Yeah. Yeah, that'll probably be great. Yeah, I was just waiting for you to say that. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those things you, I think everybody did that, right? And it's so, so naive to think <laughs> that 20 years later, 30 years later, you're right. going to, you're going to make that happen. I was, I was thinking about 
earlier this week, just all the life changes that one goes through and how it's like a crapshoot of like what you're going to be in 10 years. That question is so preposterous for me. And it's, and I think it was Mitch Hedberg that said, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Celebrating the fifth anniversary of you asking me this question. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's the best Uh, answer. It's the best answer because like you have no idea, no idea. And, and so like choosing a partner to like experience that all with you, like at some point it's just like, you know, are are you up for whatever with me? Because like, it's going to be whatever. And also if we're making this plan for 20 years from now, why aren't we just doing it right now? Right. Right. Uh, well, you know, some of it's like happenstance. Yeah. Like my entire venture into audiovisual. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Not planned. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. No, that's, that's a pretty unique situation. I mean, that's, I feel like that's how almost all of us get into it, but yours is relatively recent. Yeah. And like, I don't, I'm super appreciative for the opportunity. I also am conscious that I am one of those that got their position or their start in the career, not because they earned it on their expertise, but just because they knew someone. The older I get, the more I realize that it doesn't matter what you know. I mean, all you got to do is fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You know somebody, you, you're going to get a job somewhere, and you just go with it. And you're a smart, dude. I mean, it's... Well, thank you. It, it's it's not that difficult really really a majority of it is knowing how to interact with people yeah i'm pretty good at that you're very good at that and a lot of people never figure that out no and that was really the moment that i knew that i could own my own company mm-hmm. is when i realized like oh these people that know a lot technically are unable to talk to human beings yep and I am able. And so I, I really feel like a lot of my job is translating needs from one group to another, you know, from the t- technicians to the client, client, and, you know, opposite way. Um, extracting like the, the intricacies of some system design in a way that the client understands yeah. is not something that everyone can do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, a very valuable, it's a very valuable, uh, what's the word? Uh, skill. <laughs> it's a very valuable skill to be able to relate complicated things to right. normal people. Sure. What's, you, what's difficult though, And it's difficult for me is like, I am self-conscious about when I'm like mansplaining because that, that line of like taking some technically difficult to explain subject and putting it in layman's terms in a way that this person already knows what you're saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I am doing better at catching myself from like explaining the easy stuff. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just like move on Uh next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, our work is 
can be highly dependent on a single piece of equipment. Sure. And w- whether that thing is in the system or not has implications to the client, whether they realize it or not, sure. whether they're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. So doing my best to like bring those to the forefront at the beginning and then building a system design around needs like that. And where I feel like I'm getting better at is like the next move from that. Is if, if a client is asking for A, then it's not a far jump for them to also ask for B. Sure. And they may not ask for B until the event show site. Yes. So order A and B beforehand. So when they ask for B, I can be like, You already got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm your superhero. Like, whoa. I've already planned for that. <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a good thing to do to anticipate what people need before they need it. I think that's a that's a good skill in a marriage, True. good skill in a friendship. I mean, that can kind of work across multiple mm-hmm. avenues. Yeah. I have not perfected it. Um but I I do think, I mean, the whole reason I started a business with my wife was I realized that this is something that I could control and like futures in my hands. And so, you know, taking confidence in your abilities and then also taking confidence in where you need to grow growth areas. Yeah. Um, and it's been it's been awesome. Cool. It's been really awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. It has been I've been anxious with the coronavirus news. <laughs> I think I posted something on my Instagram. A meme. I think in meme. I think in meme and GIF and in YouTube videos. We all do. That's how I think. Yes. That's how my brain works. Yeah. And so <laughs> there's that there's that video of the group of like students that are rapping. It's like one student that's rapping and he's got like his hype squad behind him. And he like lays down these like really simple, like overly simple raps and like beats and lines. And then his like hype squad behind him just like loses their minds, their collective mind. Anyways, they're in like a rap battle. And one of the guys says, I'm about to, I'm about to destroy this whole man's career or something like that. <laughs> so the meme was coronavirus, to, coronavirus to the event industry. Yeah, I'm about to destroy this whole man's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, did you hear about South by Southwest? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. I mean, yeah. the whole reason they canceled is because they were not going to have any corporate clients show up. Exactly. Yeah, Apple bailed and Amazon and Facebook. Yeah. Yep. Everyone was out. Yeah, and once that happens. Yeah. And it, all it takes is for one of them to bail. And then the other ones are like, oh, man, we, yeah. we better do it, too. Or we're yes. going to look like we're, mm-hmm. we're reckless. Yeah, exactly. Liability. Yeah. I'm sure there's a room full of insurance agents and lawyers sitting somewhere saying, like, if you want your business to not be headline news someday, then yeah. this is what you need to do, whether it's real or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting times. I think the only place that like technical staff will survive in the interim is streaming and remote events Mm -hmm. because you'll probably replace local video and audio 
work with streaming work. But as far as system design goes, other than that, then it's very similar. Yeah. I have a few clients that are exploring stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, streaming's big. It's uh it's it's very impersonal, mm-hmm. but it's kind of necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about all that. I keep hoping that someone will just give us some answers, but it seems so convoluted and it seems like everybody's running around with their head cut off. Yeah. No one has a grasp on anything. And you don't know if tomorrow it's going to escalate or it's going to get better. Right. Yeah. The news, the day that we're recording this, you know, the news was that five or four or five other people in the state of Oregon have contracted locally, not from international travel. Okay. So, you know, obviously someone had to transmit that to them. So, you know, there's all sorts of hysteria around that. Sure. I had a friend from Oklahoma text me and be like, are y'all quarantined? Can you guys talk to each other? You know, <laughs> he doesn't talk like that. But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. It has to. I mean. I agree. Anyways, I, I have conflicted opinions on it because... Mainly because I'm not in a population that is sensitive to dying from the virus. Sure. I statistically have a greater chance of dying from the flu than coronavirus. But I also realized that this has got everyone freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it proves to not be Mm -hmm. as fatal Mm -hmm. as a million other things... It's the hype that's killing everything right now. Yeah, totally. And I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but um, I've been convinced for probably about a year now that things are going to take a downward spiral eventually. And I've... Things being what? The economy. The economy. Yeah, 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 sure. I think we're due for a, a serious recession. Yeah. And I always thought it would have something to do with the 2020 presidential election and i was actually talking to hargis about this last night Mm -hmm. and he he put a theory in my mind that he's seen some videos about in that all of those people above us know that that's about to happen Mm -hmm. and they're hyping this so that they have something to blame it on sure yeah 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 i saw something about that too like it this is the catalyst for announcing the news of a market recession sure yeah yeah six months after i started my own business (laughs) brilliant yeah (laughs) it's not about me but (laughs) it is though at the same time for you it is i've got some stuff for sale (laughs) it's yeah it's crazy how important that is because we all at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make enough money. We can take care of our families, pay our bills, and go to the coast on the weekends. And eat the rich. And eat the rich. Yeah. And if you... And we're in this constant cycle where we go through these intense periods of economic growth. And everything's great. And people are getting new cars and this and that. And then you can't sustain that 
Right. No. It has to crash at some point. Yes. And then, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I can because you're a little bit younger than me. This is going to be the first significant recession of our adult lives. Sure. Yeah. Because 2008, I was only 24. And so I didn't, it wasn't as big a deal to me. Yeah. It, I didn't have as much at stake. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, 2008, I bought a house at like near the bottom of it. So if anything, I profited off of it. Sure. Like any good capitalist youngin. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's something I think about at the same time that like the more I understand how the real world as I know it works, the more I understand how much I don't have control over things. Even, even assets that belong to me, supposedly. Sure. So I, I, I'm telling myself right now, like, I can't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I need to be aware of it. I can't worry about it. Yeah. That's a good perspective. You're right. right. You can't, you can't control it. It's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. A, a lot of people use that as a cop out for not understanding or taking the time to understand what's happening. Right. Like they can just check out and say like, Matt, don't understand it. Doesn't matter. Let me know when it's better. Right. Yeah. Like I don't think that yeah. I think that's irresponsible. I think as justice minded human beings, we need to keep the collective, everybody, especially vulnerable people, at the forefront of our care. Mm -hmm. And so saying something, you know, along the lines of an economic crash, like, man, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, great, it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. It doesn't matter to the person that's making interest and come off of billions and billions of dollars because they just lost a year's worth of wages. Well, it doesn't matter because they have an entire country's GDP worth of wages sitting in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's beneficial to people with money to go through a recession. Yeah. Because then they can buy all yeah. those those bankrupt assets. Exactly. For very cheap. Yes. So there, there's a... There's a, there's a stake in that happening for them. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, it's good all the time for them. They win when it's down. They win when it's up. The interesting thing about whatever's happening now is the last recession, we could kind of tie it back to banks offering subprime mortgages. Like, I don't know because I don't know, but I don't know like what financial vehicle if this is a recession, it's traveling in. Is, sure. Is it lack of wage growth? Sure. Is it lack of organized labor bargaining power? Like, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Because there's, there's got to be some sort of vehicle. You're right. 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 And we don't quite know what that is yet. Or, I mean, somebody probably does. A virus could certainly... I mean, if a virus is stopping people from interacting collecting in any group of people then at some point the economy is going to grind to a slow 
not a stop, I don't think, but a slow. Yeah. Because it's great that Salesforce is telling everyone to stay home and work from home, but if everyone else is at home not buying anything because they're not making any money because they're at home, yeah. then what is the Salesforce employees going to be doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so anyways, I, have a, I have a friend who works in the industry that um, the company announced a pay cut. Immediately. They've already announced a pay cut from this. And and their closest competitor is laying off people. That's specifically brutal. due to the virus in the event industry. Well, and you know if they came out with a vaccine tomorrow, it, that company wouldn't give the pay cut back. So this company did say that they were going to reimburse the cut after they come out of this, but oh. which is good on them. I hope yeah. they do it. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this affects uh, popular culture and just normal human interaction. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about it today. You like the common greeting, unless you're Stephen Vanderbilt. <laughs> the common greeting is to shake hands with right. somebody. Yes, and that's the primary yeah. way of transmitting this disease. Right. I, w- I was going to look it up, and I didn't. I should have. Why and when did that become a thing? And I wonder if that dies. Not sure. necessarily with this event, yeah. but yeah, maybe in a hundred years, maybe there's some catastrophic human epidemic that wipes out a ridiculous amount of people. And mm-hmm. in a hundred years, they're all sitting around in their robot houses laughing at us going, they were shaking hands. Right. What a right. bunch of idiots. Right. Right. You know, because we look back People from 1700s, 1800s, you know. Um, Even the 40s, you know, smoking inside. Sure. They used to tell people that smoking was good for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Smoke up. It's great for you. Right. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I was just thinking about, I, I forget which era it was. I want to say like 1600s, 1700s, bloodletting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The doctors cut you open and let the blood out. Right. We'll get the bad blood out of you. Right. That's retarded. Yes. But that's what they used to believe. Yes. And now we're shaking hands. Yeah. What if in 50 years, 100 years, right. they're like, man, that was stupid. What were you guys thinking? Right. And Purell, the company, just owns America. Yeah. There you go. Because <laughs> they purchased it because they were the only company making any money. I hear that all the stores are running out of toilet paper. Um, you know, I haven't really... So I, I have not bought into the hysteria of go out and buy... Toilet paper. That's a really odd thing, too, because diarrhea and other digestive problems are not a condition of being infected by the virus. So what's the end game here? I mean, you're... <laughs> I don't know what that is. You're going to you... bring home Taco Bell? Like, taco, uh, like you know, yeah. Demolition Man. That's what it is. Oh, Demolition Man. Taco Bell is the only restaurant. I don't... Need a lot of toilet paper at home. I don't get it. Uh, you could people, be buying food, people, but you're buying toilet paper. People, like go to the store and like clear the raw meat off of the out of the coolers it's like that is the least shelf stable food you could exactly. purchase like what are you yeah. doing no we should be buying stock in totinos because those guys are killing it right, right. Now. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. i got three sitting in the freezer right yeah you need cans of beans right now <laughs> uh you need a garden go outside and garden exactly yeah i, I did think about that um yeah, I, I haven't gone out and done any shopping 
outside of what I normally do. Yeah. I did check our toilet paper and paper towels and stuff <laughs> like that, just like I do any other time. Yeah. But, you know, Black Friday is a fine time to go push people out of the way to go buy something that's cheap. Exactly. I don't need to do that in the middle of the winter. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if it gets real bad, you can always just go to your neighbor's house and steal whatever they got. He went to Costco last weekend and got That's right. toilet paper. Uh, if rhododendron leaves were good enough for Adam and Eve, <laughs> good enough for me. Oh, dude, it's so crazy. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, I remember we were making jokes about it two, three weeks ago, and now it's like a thing. Yeah. It's like, it's permeating all the news and everything. You know how people name their kids dumb names? Uh-huh. I'm waiting for the kids that are named COVID. <laughs> there's got to be a couple somewhere. Well, you know there's a bunch of people who aren't buying Corona. Yeah, yes. There's there's some study. I don't know how official a study it was. Someone did some data gathering that like 30% of Americans would not buy a Corona because of it's like, <laughs> like, when I heard that, this is just who I am. I was like, oh, I need to go buy some Corona. <laughs> I, need, I make, need to support those I need to make people. sure those guys are okay. Yeah. Like, they're going to be fine. Yeah. It yeah. is kind of hilarious that this is a reality that they're living in. Yeah. No, I bet they're super pissed. They're like, yeah. why? Right. Out of all the words you could come up with, right. why did you choose that? Right. Why couldn't it have been the Heineken virus? Exactly. <laughs> There's probably some, whoever invented the name for it, just... Dos Equis virus. <laughs> Please. Yeah, they had a horrible, horrible vacation in Acapulco, and they're like, right. I'm taking these guys down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, so, I the other thing I, I was thinking about that I wanted to get into with you, if, if possible, is... Possible. So you... You went to school to, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way. What, what did you go to school for? I went to a liberal arts college and studied in theology. Okay. The humanities. Took a theology and philosophy program. Okay. I thought it was more centered towards religion. Yeah. Theology is study of God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm an idiot. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> Theo, Godology. Okay. Okay. Study of. So the only reason I I bring this up is because obviously religion is a huge part of many cultures, mm -hmm. and I think, I mean, it's never influenced me in the way that I interact with you. But I think because of whatever you studied and what you did afterwards at the church has transformed you into the person that you are. And I think it's helped with your persona and your willingness to hug people and to be... Sure. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pastors inappropriately touch people all the time. So, <laughs> But par you're not Catholic. Apart for the course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I enjoyed my time working at a church and, but I had a very, I have a very distinct memory of 
my time at like a larger meeting just out, like outside of the local church that I worked at kind of sitting and taking in what was happening and kind of felt like on the outside and I was on the outside because I'm, you know, this young idealistic idiot. But I kind of realized the structures that were in place to protect people of their own kind. I'm I'm painting with huge brushstrokes right now, sure. so just understand that. So I, I've worked with some wonderful people. But I also understood that in order to be successful, whatever that means, I either needed to somehow think differently about what I thought success meant, or I needed to quit holding the things that I hold in high regard for what I think the church like lowercase c, the church needs to be doing on earth. Like one of those two things needed to change. Mm -hmm. And I would rather live an honest life. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, I had an excellent time working like 90% of my job. I mean, just like anyone else's job. People are going to read into this that, you know, there's some significant event, but that's not what happened. Yeah. Like any job, you can love hopefully a majority portion of it mm -hmm. and not enjoy the rest of it. Sure. Sure. Same thing. But there was a, there was a moment that I knew that I either needed to make a change or... I needed to become okay with the fact that I would never measure up to the governing body's measure of success. So you're saying there were just, there were different, uh, different um, ideals that they expected from you. Like, like you couldn't live up to their expectations. I probably couldn't live up to their expectations, but is at least for me, it was more so not wanting to live up to their expectations. Yeah. Um, I think that the most effective model of church, no matter what faith setting you're experiencing church in, what any, any house of worship, I think that that any faith setting has a place in society for community. Okay. And I think that living out community means that you need to be made uncomfortable a lot of times. Sure. Like think about like letting someone into your house, right? Sometimes when you have guests over, that they've you know, never been over to your house or you've never been over to their house. It's like a little strange walking into someone's kitchen and seeing what's on the counter, right? Like, same thing yeah. internally, personally. And so it's really easy to like kind of strike that 
out of the faith setting. Mm-hmm. Everyone travels to a central place once a week, does a thing, and then leaves. Yeah. But taking that and making that mean more and having a, a built-in group of people that are a support system that don't even need to think like you or believe what you do, but just having the people both geographically but emotionally and relationally close to you to do that takes an amount of vulnerability on everyone's part. Like you can't have someone participating in that, that like believes halfway of that value of community. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Everyone else realizes it, you know, anyways, all that to say, I, I still go to church. I still attend church. I, um, was the tech director at a church for a couple of years. Still offering my time and expertise to help a church community. Sure. But I don't think the way that I should experience a faith community is collecting a paycheck from it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a, that's a weird situation because you're collecting money from the congregation, Mm -hmm. which can inspire your motives. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's, it's an easy Google search to see how someone that is a pastor at a church should structure a budget of that church. And over half of it is pastoral salaries. It's like not something that's hidden. And like anything in the world, money plays a part in it. Yeah. And when you're at a faith community that needs more money, to me, it's really honest to just get up and say like, look, this is what we're short. This is what it's going to. This is what we've stopped spending money on. This is what we're still spending money on. If we start receiving more money, then we'll be able to do X, Y, Z. But it's like wrapped up in like all this ridiculous language and the subculture of, you know, spirituality and some sort of, you know, act of something. Yeah. And to me, it just like waters it down. Yeah. It, because I know that the person that's telling me about the need is directly benefiting from whatever I drop in the bucket. Like, yeah. Like, dude, give it to me straight. Yeah. It's like when you go to a doctor's appointment and you're like, you know, there's something on the x-ray. You just want to grab the doctor and be like, give it to me straight. You know? <laughs> Same thing. Is it coronavirus or not? <laughs> right. Right. Um, I had a, I had a very clear moment after my oldest daughter was born. Seemingly innocent time. I was at home holding her and I just kind of looked down at her and I knew that I needed to make a change. That like, I, I was very aware of, 
my um, responsibilities on earth had like vastly increased. Right. And my decisions about who I am and, and what I do and everything is going to get permanent observers. Yeah. For good or for bad. And so in that moment, I was like, in order to be the best human being that I can be, like, I need to be with my parents and um, modify the way in which I engage with the faith community. Sure. Yeah, it's too bad that more of it isn't based on what it should be based on. There are genuine people all over the place. There are genuine Scientologists. There are genuine Christians, genuine Catholics, genuine atheists. Mm -hmm. To me, it's more about a, a specific human than a, a, a thing that's behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you could just get the people who truly believe and her, who are truly interested in being better people, it would, it would be a better thing across the board for, for everything. But mm-hmm. there, there's so many people that use it for the wrong yeah. purposes. And that's what's so disappointing because the good people. And that's who you think that's who you hear about. Yeah. Yeah. The good people suffer because of the bad people. Sure. Pers- I cut you off. Sure. The no. good people suffer because of the bad people's reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I feel better not having my financial future attached to the amount of money that the people sitting in a room put in a plate. Yeah. I, I feel like the money that I'm making, I have somehow earned and that I'm not receiving something that someone feels some antiquated cultural obligation to give. Yeah. That might be silly, but no, I know what you're saying. There's no way to, to really quantify what would be different without removing tax exempt status. Yeah. And there are States that are, in process of doing that. Really? Yes. What states are these? The last one that I heard, and I haven't kept up to date with news like this, but Massachusetts was working on stripping past, not not churches out of 501c3 status, but pastoral staff out of exempt tax status. Hmm. And you could search and see if this has happened or not. But one of the famous things for pastoral staff is this mortgage double dip. Are you aware of this? They, You've told me about this yeah, before. Yeah. It's Go like, ahead. it's like famous for, first of all, you can sign a document saying that you religiously object to the idea of social security and they'll just not deduct social security out of your paycheck. Hmm. So, I mean, that's like, Although then you do not have social security when you reach retirement? Correct. Okay. Assuming you keep working in an organization where you can sign that document. Sure. The, so there's that. So that's like immediate more income every month. 
more income over the course of the year, right? But then there's the mortgage, and there are in the tax code exemptions made for pastors living in a parsonage. If you don't live in a parsonage, you can say that your church has not offered you a parsonage. What is a parsonage? A parsonage. Thank you for asking. A parsonage is a home that the church owns that houses the pastor and the pastor's family. How common is that? It the was, church it owns was, a home. It was very common. Okay. No longer very common. Okay. So this is where the double dip comes. You're saying the pastor would be living living in the parsonage. God, I can't talk. In the parsonage. <laughs> yes. And also... They could also own another home. That the church also paid for. So if, well, So here's where the double dip happens. If you work at a church where you are not offered a parsonage, you can go buy a house just like anyone else. Okay. And then you can take all the expenses, the monthly expenses related to that property. I'm talking utility bills, your phone bill. And if you don't have a landline, you can claim your cell phone as this bill. Home improvement. Hmm. Everything that has to do with that property itself. And all of a sudden, all of that money that went towards all of those bills is not allowed to be taxed. Hmm. So that is called um, that's called the um, pastoral living exemption, something like that. I for, I, I've been too far out of it. I, I don't remember <laughs> what it is. But anyways, it literally comes off your W-2. Yeah. It goes into a different category of income. It's not in box one where the rest of your income is. Wow. So you get your W-2 and it looks like you've made $12,000. Yeah. Because the rest of it is non-taxable because you weren't offered a parsonage to live in. Uh... The double dip comes in when you get to the mortgage section of the tax code, just like you and I get to get to whenever we own a property, you get to write off all like the mortgage interest that you've paid on your house, the, the church, it's already untaxed, yeah. But you get to again claim all of that money. Oh, uh, I see, I see that you've paid yes. for your monthly payment, yes, as a deduction. So, pastor, I mean, it's very common to see a pastor living in a nice home, and a large part of that reason is because on paper they're making. 25% of what they're actually getting paid because the rest of it is going to a housing allowance. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, I I need to think about my words. <laughs> Please do. I think there are good people taking advantage of this because it's available to them. It's it's any argument. It, it's Apple filtering money through Ireland. Yeah. It's legal. Yes. Why not take it? They're, they're being smart. Right. They're not being deceptive. They're being smart. Right. That's also late stage capitalism. And I kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit about it. Right. Because it's like. At some point they're being disingenuous with the folks that are sitting in the house of worship giving their last dollar. Sure. So that a pastor can turn around and own a house that this other person could never 
dream of owning. Mm -hmm. I I feel social responsibility for that. I don't want to talk about anyone but me. I feel like responsible, responsible socially for that. Yes. Like I can't watch someone on fixed income, you know, go over and above what they are comfortable giving because someone in a room decided to give the pastors more money so that the pastor could buy a bigger house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets a little, little murky. So anyways, I, I, I don't work at a church anymore. I don't collect a paycheck from a church. And um, Not directly. Not, not directly. <laughs> Only project-based. <laughs> I am available. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 104creative.com slash house of worship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I, especially being a small business owner now, it's really neat to see like the income and be like, hey, I earned that. Like that was, that was me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that was me and my wife. Because it's it's much more just like A to B knee jerk, right? Like you do the work, the client pays you. Yeah. There's the money in your account. Yeah. It's the American dream. Yeah. But the Marxist in me knows that we just need to blow it all up and start over again anyways. Yeah. That. Because <laughs> the money's ruined everything. It's true. It's true. There's too many people making money off of money, not really contributing uh, a true service yeah. or providing a real good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then those people give that money to their kids. Yeah. 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 I know. I was reading up on the Rothschild family and, uh, I mean, they've had money for centuries. They were in banking and they would just open new branches in different government centers, send a child out there to run that that bank, and they just popped up everywhere. And they, I mean, they're, they're old money. They, they sure. are synonymous with money. Right. And, uh, I mean, they're smart. They figured it out. But that's got to be so insane to... To be born, because, you know, no one has a choice where they end up. You're just alive, and then you're a thing. Right. And to be born into something like that, I can't imagine what it's like to not understand the common struggle. Yeah. To just always have a roles, have three roles in the parking lot, you know? There was an episode of... um... Man, I forget if it was, it wasn't Prices, right? It was, it had to be a late night show. Bill Gates was on some show that they did some sort of like, you remember that one Prices Right mini game that you guessed there was like a box of minute rice and then there was a price underneath of it and you had to guess whether the shown price was above what that minute rice cost yes. or below what that minute rice <laughs> cost, right? I know what you're talking about. So they played this game with Bill Gates. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like wildly off. He's like 1927. <laughs> yeah, like he he guessed like laundry detergent cost like five bucks or yeah. something like like a jug of laundry detergent. And then he got to like something else. And 
maybe it was mid-rest. I don't know. He he like guessed that it was ten bucks, and it was like a dollar twenty-nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no concept at all. It, there's a, there's a cool or a classic video of I think it was H W, but maybe it was Bush Junior going to a grocery store. Hmm. And the exact same type of thing happening where they, they start scanning stuff and he has no idea how much it's supposed to cost. Was he on the supermarket sweep? <laughs> Did he go straight for the turkeys? It might have been that. <laughs> the spiral hams? The honey baked hams? Yeah. Dude, remember supermarket sweep? Yeah, dude. Could not push that cart fast enough. Right. Yeah. I was always worried people were going to get hurt. Oh, I'm sure they did in the outtakes. <laughs> how many times did they They're need a reset? lying around corners, man. <laughs> how many times did they need to reset the set? Yeah. Because someone wiped out. Mm-hmm. Replacement. Yeah, exactly. Get him up. This you, guy's going to the hospital. Yeah. People are just, they've got like 10 backups waiting. They're like, oh, I hope he goes down. This guy took a shopping cart to the groin. <laughs> He's out for the next two weeks. He's done. He's done, man. <laughs> that, was, that was in the high channels, too. I did not grow up with cable. I grew up with an older TV. Bunny ears. In bunny ears, yeah. Yeah. That's how I, I fell in love with Star Trek because I literally had the option of Star Trek or Days of Our Lives. Yeah. <laughs> that was what it was on at four o'clock. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was either. Yes, I'm going with Star Trek. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the least terrible option. Yeah. And now I've named my company after it. <laughs> there you go. Comes back around. I went to middle school and I, I would come home. I, I'd ride the bus home. And I get home before either of my working parents would get home. Mm-hmm. And I would, I'd go to the kitchen. I would always be hungry. So I'd go to the kitchen and I'd get some sort of like frozen burrito out of the freezer, <laughs> stick it on a plate, put it in the microwave. And then I'd go turn on channel 12 UPN. Watch some Star Trek. And that was Star Trek Voyager. Star Trek and burritos. Channel, channel 12 was the channel that came in clearest at my, on my parents' <laughs> TV too. So oh, it was like a delight watching it because it was like, oh, this channel's not as grainy as K2 or Coin. It sounds like a story from the 60s. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I'm, Bunny ears. Yeah. I, I try to explain to my kids who can tap a screen yeah. and watch and go anywhere. any thousand yeah. videos they want. I, I had to explain them to them the other day. About uh, before Netflix was Netflix, uh, streaming, and you had to wait for the DVD. Right. You know? And that was 2005, 2006. And you got one at a time. You got one at a time. Yep. And you had to watch it that night so you could ship it back out and hope the next one in the queue would, would get there. Yeah. And then, like, you open up the envelope and it's got a big old scratch behind yeah. on the disc and you're like, well, guess we can't watch anything tonight. Yeah. No, that happened a few times. That was big for me when I lived in Phoenix and yeah. I, I was spending a lot of time by myself after school and after work. I just, it was like the first time I watched Lord of the Rings and a bunch of others. I just hang out, sit on the floor cause I didn't have a couch, you know? Yeah. I had a, I had a twin mattress. You couldn't afford a couch. You're too busy paying for Netflix. Exactly. Yeah, dude. It's expensive. Right. Yeah, man. I had a, a, a single mattress. I don't, think i had a box spring maybe i did but that was it and it was in the living room i had no other furniture my dad lived in an apartment just like that too yeah according to my mom 
I wasn't around then. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's when she fell in love? Yeah, yeah. His apartment was somewhere in East Portland, and he had pinball machines everywhere. Mm-hmm. He collected pinball machines and would refurb pinball machines, like the mechanical before a circuit board ever made it into anywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, my mom said that he had a TV, a microwave, a couch, and a bed. And a toothbrush. And, like, <laughs> everything else, real estate-wise, inside the apartment was just taken up by a machine on four legs. Mm-hmm. That's the cool thing about young love. You don't you don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. You're like, this person is cool, and I want to hang out with them. Right. You don't care. Yeah. My dad owned, he co-owned a company called Welding Apparatus, and it was downtown. It was It's really close to um, the Voodoo Donuts location downtown. Oh, really? Burnside, yeah. It right was near uh, that theater, Paris Theater? Yes. Yeah. So the... Um, Oyster Bar is down there. It's like third and what would it be? Ankeny. Okay. Anyways, um, he owned a company that serviced welding gear. So like use argon gas to weld a lot. Okay. And so he, you know, would work on tanks for argon, uh, tanks for welding, the, the actual like welding gun itself, stock the metal. Anyways, he... I met Bill Walton recently. And you did tell me that story. Yes. Yeah. So when I told my dad that I had met him, he was like, oh, Bill Walton stopped into welding or walked by welding apparatus when we were outside on a break one day. And he was like, he was so nice. And so, <laughs> I, I, so I told Bill the story. I must have talked to my dad about this before. I told Bill the story. I was like, yeah, my dad remembers you you know, shooting the breeze with him outside of welding apparatus in downtown Portland. And he was like, ah, I was probably with Mo Lucas. Mo's the greatest blazer ever to be. We were hungry. We were going to a restaurant. <laughs> Legend. That's so awesome. Bill Walton. Yeah, dude, if I was your dad, anything you ever came to me with to like try to impress me or something, I'd be like, yeah, well, I peed next to Barry Bonds, and then he signed the back of your photo. <laughs> right. What do you got on that? Right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I totally, I totally forgotten about that too. I still have a case of playing cards. It's in my basement. Yeah. It, there, it's in a cardboard box. I think I've got it marked. Playing cards. Anyways, I've got all my playing my basketball cards and my baseball cards. I have more mm-hmm. baseball cards than I do basketball cards. I enjoy basketball much more now. I don't yeah. follow baseball. Yeah. You, it didn't seem like you were ever really no. into baseball. No. No. In, I think the NBA is one of the greatest organized professional sports leagues. Have you always been into it? Uh, I enjoyed the Blazers growing up, but I, I enjoyed rooting for the Mariners more than the Blazers. And I think that was probably more environmental than anything. But yeah. anyways, I, I remember going to Blazer games at the Rose Garden like when it was eight bucks and i you know i'd i'd go with some friends and you know i'd have my parents drop us off at a transit center and we'd catch the max yeah down and dude that stuff is huge when you're a kid yeah you don't realize until later but man you feel so cool doing grown-up stuff yes yeah yes yep 
and it's uh, it's totally the case that I can't remember a single thing from any particular game mm-hmm. as far as like what was important to me. But I do remember just the act of being there and being a fan. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember anything specific about like the jailblazers era of blazers that whoever was playing on some night at some game, like I don't remember stuff like that. Yeah. I remember dumb stuff like my fifth grade teacher's license plate number. That's what I remember. <laughs> dude, I remember people's birthdays. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Nice dude. Yeah. I, I don't know what I ate for dinner yesterday, <laughs> but like, yeah. You can remember. Yeah. Dude, you need to become a birthday card guy. That's what you need. <laughs> I, have a fr- I have a pastoral friend in Oklahoma city. You mean just start writing cards for he, Hallmark? He has his own stationery. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Shout out JKS. He has his own stationery and uh, just will write people cards on their birthdays and other significant events in their life. Man, dude, that is, that's one of those things that I feel like should go away, but it doesn't. Uh, my mom in particular is huge on birthday cards. Mm. My dad whatever. I can send him a text and tell him happy birthday. It could be three days after his birthday. He's like, I know you love me, son. It's all good. If I do not have a card on my mom's fireplace. Oh, by the time, by the time she, by the, by midnight on her birthday, by the new lap around the sun. Yes. She, she thinks I don't care about her. (laughs) It's the most important thing in the world. And the only, I don't know if she's ever going to hear this or not, but the only reason I do it is because I know it means something to her. Sure, yeah. It doesn't I mean, mean anything to me. Sure. I think that's I fine love her exactly say. the same yeah, way. Exactly, yes. Whether yeah. you have given the Hallmark Corporation $7 for a folded piece of paper they're or not. They're so expensive now. <laughs> yeah. Every time I take my kids there to buy, they're going to get a birthday card for like some kid's birthday or something. Yeah. They're like, oh, this one's really cool. It plays music. It's got things flying out of it. And I'm yeah. like, flip it over. Yeah, that one's $9. We're not getting that one. <laughs> right. Let's right. go over here to the 99 cent oh, section. Right. The corner's all messed up. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's one piece of paper. There's nothing bouncing <laughs> off of it. There's nothing hiding yeah. in the back of it. Let's just take the envelope and write your name on it, okay? Right. I have some friends up in Washington that they're a married couple and they give each other cards, but they go to the store together, wander the aisles of, I'm saying wander the aisles, like there's 40 of them. There's two. They go down the card aisles. Mm-hmm. And then pick out cards for each other on holidays and birthdays and just physically give it to the person. Okay. And they enjoy the card and then they put it back on the shelf and then they leave. <laughs> That's a great idea. Like, how, how many hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars have they yeah. saved by now? Yeah. They probably bought a house with that money. Right. Yeah. 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 I know. My, my favorite thing to do when I do have to actually get one is I'll buy one that's wrong. Like if it's my grandma's birthday, I'll get one that says Happy Father's Day or something. And then I'll very purposely cross it out with a Sharpie Mm -hmm. and write in what it should be. I've been doing that for a long time. That's funny. People are always like, what? We've got a a drawer at home that is a card stock library. So like if we need a card quickly... We could probably open up that drawer of the oh, desk and find smart. a birthday card or a um, get well soon card that is just nondescript, 
mm-hmm. but specific enough for the occasion. I'm hitting you up next time. <laughs> I almost miss my mom's birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got local stock. <laughs> In stock, ready to ship. <laughs> it's going to cost you. Order by 2 p.m. for next day shipping. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I have tendencies to want to collect. And I don't think that's from like a position of poverty as a child. It's just, you, I know exactly what it is. It's not wanting to waste. Okay. You know the jingle as a kid of like reduce, reuse, reuse. Recycle. Recycle, reduce. Reduce, reuse. Reuse, yep. Yeah. I feel like bigger than recycling, like after you have consumed something and now you need to decide where it goes, is just not consuming that thing. Yeah. So when I come into contact with something that is slated, that has been manufactured... And is slated to not be used at all before it gets trashed. I will spend a amount of time that would make myself ashamed to save that thing from its eventual end. I see. And stock it away for me to use it at the appropriate time. It, so you're a hoarder. I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I have too much stuff. <laughs> I, um, what I have been doing is like selling stuff more often. Nice. So, nice. you know, okay. if I'm well, not, gonna, if I'm not going to use it, then you're turning a profit. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I need to think about too is like half of that, half of that is probably just consumerism and market driven, you know, consumer behavior mm-hmm. someone's gonna buy this if we make it mm-hmm. they stop buying into that yeah <clears throat> but but stuff like the clearance shelf slickdeals.net oh man i'm a sucker for stuff like that slickdeals.net i was going to home depot to work on to get some materials for our house that i'm working on and walked past the clearance aisle not planning on seeing anything worth of interest because I was there days ago and didn't see anything worth of interest. (laughs) (laughs) But I see what looks to be like a Black Friday display sitting in the clearance section. Okay. And you know, like places like all the big box stores and America like make specific Black Friday things for Black Friday. Yeah. And so this was a a bit set, a drill bit set that was made by Bosch. It's a hole. It's um, for drilling holes, unelegant holes. And I've wanted this set for a long time, but I've already had the set. I've had, so the set is like 18 pieces and I've owned like 11 of those 18 pieces. Mm-hmm. I do own 11 of those 18 pieces. But the 18 piece set comes with an organizer with it too. And yeah. I don't I don't have the organizer Dude, for you the don't have 11 to sell it pieces. To me. But the set is like 50 bucks, right? So like I'm not willing to spend 50 bucks on seven pieces plus an organizer. Yeah. Again, trying to limit my 
intake of stuff that like doesn't need to exist in my life, right? Yeah, yeah. So I see this set on the shelf at Home Depot, and it doesn't have a price on it. It doesn't have a clearance sticker on it, but it's clearly sitting on the clearance shelf. Yeah. So I'm like, what the heck? I'll grab it, throw it on my stack of stuff, see if the person at the check stand scans it, and if it's a good price, I'll go home with it. So the attendant scans all my other stuff, and I'm like, I hand this to the person, and I'm like, please scan this and let me know what the price is. I have no idea what the price is. I got off the clearance shelf. $50 bit says, Amazon's like 46 bucks. She scans it, 13 bucks. Dude, you have to buy it. I have to. Yeah. I, ha I have no other choice. That is the best deal in the history. I'm not going to, like Black Friday will not offer me this. <laughs> I know, right? Somebody hit it. It was Black Friday and they hit it behind something else. Right. And they're like, I'm coming back for this in six it's, months. It is interesting. Like, you know, it's the beginning of March and there, I, I am familiar enough with Black Friday deals at Home Depot to know that this package was packaged for Black Friday. Uh, that's great. You've got like an index card in your brain yes. of tool sets that... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the, the price guessing game, I, I'm, I'm referencing prices right again. Mm -hmm. But you know those, that one game where you have to guess the what stuff costs? Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd be pretty good at that because I have a pretty good sense of what stuff, like consumer grade, regular old stuff costs. Sure. A lot of that is just because I've become a boring old adult. They should do a Home Depot version of yeah. Price is Right. There you go. You would kill it. Drew Carney. Figure it out. <laughs> I know you're listening. If you get him to do it, I'm there, dude. <laughs> dude, you know that he's looking up Maxwell's Kitchen. Dude, did I tell you that I when I interned at KPTV, I went out in the field with him? Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't tell you this? No. Yeah, in 2005 when I came back from school and I had to intern somewhere and I was it was like the last 3 days or something before and if I didn't find an internship, I was going to fail the entire Oh, yes. Program. Yeah, I did listen to this on the previous podcast. Did I talk about it? You talked about yes, you you got this at the very last Okay, few yes, days. that part. Yes, yeah. But yes, with yes. Drew Carney. But, but with Drew Carney, yes. Yes, he uh back then he was just a young pup going out in the van yeah. uh you know for with daryl with daryl the camera guy daryl also works <laughs> yes. at motor center yes pleasure games yes shout out daryl uh and he was just working like a like a swing two to ten yeah. and a couple nights towards the end of my internship they're like hey they really didn't have anything for me to do commercials and right that's what you're doing commercial production yeah, department right. yeah. yeah and so they sent me out with them I forget what it's called, live TV now, something like that, you yeah. know, very right. dramatic. Yes. And they sent me out with him and uh, I basically rode around the backseat for six hours. Didn't say much. They didn't really say much to me. And now I see him every other weekend. <laughs> and every time I see him, I just want to be like, hey man, do you know we hung out in 2005? Yeah. But I never say anything to him. That's funny. Yeah. He's a cool guy though. He, uh, I, he's, he's made a, a nice little niche for himself yeah. you know i said earlier in this podcast how channel 12 was the most clear channel i received on my parents yeah. tv so i grew an affinity for pete ferryman and all the other good date oregon people okay. because that is literally the only channel that i could stand watching <laughs> because it was clear <laughs> so i had 
uh, a woman at the church that I grew up going to that worked in the front office of KPTV. Okay. And somehow she found out that I like was a loyal young watcher of the show. And so like Andy and Pete and maybe Drew, I don't, I don't remember, gave me like an autographed like four by six nice. portrait. Nice. Yeah. Still got those somewhere. <laughs> I'm a harder. Put it in somebody's birthday card one of these days. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 I got it. I got it. Uh, that's, great. that's great i want to see this drawer that has the cards in it it's one of those drawers that you can't get open because it's packed with too much stuff mm-hmm. most of it is not mine it's in my wife's like writing desk drawer she's yes. also said to her credit that she needs to get rid of this it's definitely in a place that you can ignore so you both hang on to things no no, no than you should no it, it's packed with stuff from like college okay okay so like you know stuff like that yeah as you go through life and you're like, I'm not graduating from this organizational thing, yeah. this Sterilite tote that I traveled my life around in for 10 years into yeah. this real adult thing. Yeah. No, I've got a couple downstairs that I'm sure there's a ton of stuff in there that it was sentimental at one point And I, young me was like, old me is going to love this. And yeah. now I'm like, eh, who cares, man? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's probably more interesting for my kids to look through it someday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving, especially across multiple hours long of a trip, really puts into perspective what you need to keep in life and not. That's why I didn't keep anything for for the first six or seven years after I moved out of my parents' house because mm-hmm. I would move every six months. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, renting a U-Haul is expensive. Yes. And so that's part of the reason I, I never had furniture. I didn't want to buy it because I didn't want to move it. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, totally. When I worked at the church, I worked with young students a lot. And I would tell them all the time, like, if you're moving somewhere, like out of the area, just sell everything that's not important to you because (laughs) it's way easier showing up in your Honda hatch than it is with your junk that you're just going to get rid of in two years anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in those times anymore. Nope. Nope. Now you're just getting car parts, <laughs> whatever. The BMW that you were referencing earlier in the podcast that I've been working, not working on for years is uh, dude. that's the point. You can never finish it. It's don't it's, like it. It will it's, it will ruin your life. Don't ever finish it. It's 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 getting the boot. It's getting out of there. You're getting rid of it. Yeah, or, I got yeah. I got to get rid of it. Anyone wants to buy a '91 BMW 318is with a M52 engine swap, get rag 240 transmission, 2.5 inch Super Street rep replica headers into a vibrant resonator. Does it run? It starts. Yeah. Why are you getting rid of it? It's complicated. Yeah. I don't want to get into it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Say no more. You you have a loyal trope of followers, and I don't need to alienate anyone yeah, with my like, boring stories. There's like four or five people that might hear about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's leaving. Yeah. It's time. If, I'd, I'd rather, the short answer is I'd rather work on the house. I see. 
A, a car is a terrible investment, no matter where on the spectrum you're making it. Mm -hmm. A car is a tool. A tool never returns your investment unless you're using that tool to make profit somewhere else. Sure. Simply getting to work is the method that you could use mm -hmm. a tool like a car, right? Yeah. Hardly ever do you buy a car for a small amount of price, do some work to it, and sell it for a large price. Like, sure. That doesn't happen. I never viewed it that way for you, though. I always thought it was like a, a project that you enjoyed doing. You know, yeah. like somebody would buy a Lego set or, yeah. you know, whatever. I've got my eyes on a different style of car. Right. But I need to make some room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons getting divorced sucks and moving out of the house that you owned sucks. But one of the biggest ones is I don't have, and this sounds like old manish and stupid, but I don't have a yard to mow. Sure. I don't have a, a siding to paint. Yeah. I don't have a garage to clean. Like yes. I miss that stuff so much. I didn't realize how, how much I would enjoy it until yeah. we bought a house in 2012. Right. And now living here, I don't do anything around here cause there's no reason to, it, right. I don't own it. I don't care. Right. Uh, so yeah, that uh, I'm very envious of people who have a space that they can do stuff to that makes a difference because they own it. Right. Yeah. I'm in the middle of one of those. Yeah. I, on president's day, mm -hmm. which was a couple weeks ago now, my wife was like, we should paint our room because we haven't painted it before. We've painted lots of other rooms in our house. We've owned our house since the beginning of 2015. We're still in the same paint that we moved into the house with, right? So it's time to paint. Great. You go to the store, buy some paint. While you're gone, I'm going to cut in some receptacles at our tables, our bedside tables, our nightstands. So she leaves. I get my multi-tool out, get a box up there, mark where the box is going to be, and I cut open my side of the bed's box. It's on an exterior wall. There's no insulation in the wall. None. Just a big old cold cavity. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. So I sat there and like had a stare off with it for a little bit. <laughs> kind of decided what my <laughs> next what my next move was gonna be. And I decided that I was gonna cut in the other side of the beds, my wife's side of the bed receptacle. Mm -hmm. So I cut that one open. No insulation. So I'm like, great. So our wall that on the other side of the wall is the outside has no insulation in it. Like no wonder whenever I would sit up in bed on my laptop, it was, it was freezing. Mm -hmm. The wall was freezing. On top of that, there's compounding issues too. We had plaster on top of drywall, sheetrock, gypsum. And the plaster was way too thick. Like whoever applied the plaster in the house before us just had either an excess or had no idea what this person was They're doing. They were trying to get warm. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what they were doing. <laughs> we got to save so much money on not doing insulation. I took a picture of it. It's literally in one spot three times thicker plaster than it is drywall. It's, wow. So that stuff is heavy. Like plaster is literally just concrete. Mm-hmm. 
and it was like super over textured in our room. It was just like someone took a texture gun and just went nuts in the room. It was so texturing. It was like if it was like if you turned this consistency of popcorn ceiling into wall texture that looked like this, mm -hmm. that was what it was on our walls. Mm -hmm. Compounding issues. So the texture was terrible. The plaster was cracking. And now we have one receptacle in our room that works. One. And no insulation in the walls. Yeah. So I'm like, we're going to take it down. Uh, we, my wife and I, talked it over. We spent a solid 15 minutes deciding whether we were going to sign up for this project or not. But I just can't, like, internally be okay with me putting a receptacle in right there mm -hmm. and then just being like, it's fine. Just leave it. Yeah. And then paint the walls. And then I would lean up in bed against the wall on my laptop and the wall would be cold and I would hate myself. Mm -hmm. So I, because I, you knew, because like I took the easy way out. Yeah. So are you telling me you ripped out so all I, the sheetrock? Yeah, our bedroom is gutted right now. We don't have a ceiling. Whoa. So we had just months ago, the attic re-insulated. So we had brand new pink attic cat uh -huh. blown in insulation added. Uh -huh. So I took my snow shovel up into the attic and I scooped all that new insulation off the ceiling. There's old cellulose insulation in there. I bagged it all up. Knocked down all of the plaster and on the ceiling and the walls. <laughs> took the closet out, like took the closet full out. Uh, and it's the project's like out of control now. We've <laughs> we've removed the two windows that were in the room. Oh wow! They were in the corner, like uh -huh. one on each wall. Uh huh. And we took the drywall down, and the framing around the windows was terrible. It yeah. was so bad. Yeah. So bad. On top of that, there is a uh, a load bearing beam that ended right above one of the windows, and the load, the transfer load from the roof line weight down above the window header and then down the side of the window was all framed like horribly. Yeah, like someone obviously was using either what they had available to them at the time, or they had zero knowledge of what they were doing. Maybe both. <laughs> and so, like, whether we replace the windows or not, it needed to change. Yeah. Again, getting back to the thing of, like, I see something horribly wrong. I have the power to change it. I can't just not change it. Sure. So we have mapped out where two new windows are going in a totally different spot on two of the walls. And I have framed up the old windows, closed them up. And I'm reciting where those windows were and I'm reframing the walls of where the two new windows are going all because of a stupid painting project. Yeah. I still, so anyways, but there's like so many, there's so many things that we're doing at the same time. It's like recessed can lighting. We're putting a closet light in. Like, do you know how rich I'm going to feel whenever I want to <laughs> find something in the closet and I can just reach right over and oh, flip out so all the white? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, it doesn't matter that I will have not worked a show for six months because the yeah. coronavirus yeah. has killed my industry. Like, yeah. 
it doesn't matter. I'm going to flip the switch onto the closet light and I'm going to feel like a millionaire. Yeah. You're going to kill all the fish yes. in the world. Yeah. Yes. So like there's so many reasons that it's like the best thing ever. On top of that, there's like, you know, I'm going to insulate the walls. I'm going to run receptacles every six feet like it is code now. Yeah. I'm going to put in a, a, a future box for a ceiling fan if we want a ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. We're going to put in recessed lighting on a smart switch. There's like so many things that are going to come out of this. Two new windows that are Energy Star certified uh-huh. that are going to be the size we want and the way that they open. Yeah. No, know, it's, it's going like, to be magical. Yeah. It's I mean, going to be the only room in our house that's going to be any type of modern. <laughs> well, and dude, you don't you don't get it because you just know how to do stuff. But the fact that you can tackle this project and do it that the I'm right way. That I'm stupid enough to do it myself. <laughs> I can change a light bulb. I don't know how to do any of that. Well, see, here's the thing. And I'm glad you brought this up. Because I was thinking about this earlier today when I had no idea what we were going to talk about. If I did not grow up in a YouTube society, I would be an idiot. Yeah. Like even more of an idiot than I am now. Yeah. Because I learn watching by watching someone do something yeah. and then turning right around and doing it myself. Yeah. Same here. That's how I learn. Mm-hmm. Whatever it's called. I should have looked it up. Which which way of learning that is. YouTubeism. I, yeah, I, I have no idea. If I did not have that resource in my life, then the only thing that I could do is the career thing that I have been trained to do. Sure. It, that's just it. Like, yeah. But I can because I can go to YouTube and watch my favorite home builder, not, uh, home remodeler, houseimprovements.com. Al Borland. Shannon. This is Shannon with houseimprovements.com. He's Canadian. Oh, nice. Kindest human, seemingly kindest <laughs> human you've ever met before. Explains something so well, shows every step, tells you the tools that you may need. Like, his videos are so good. Without Shannon and house improvements, I could not work on my house. Thanks, Shannon. <laughs> Shout out, Shannon. I, <laughs> so like, I don't come from a place of like, I've taught myself I'm so good at mm-hmm. this. You know, I'm just like, dude, I know where the Harbor Freight and Home Depots are just mm-hmm. like everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, when when I get when I get another house, I will start watching some YouTube videos. There you go. I, I'll, I'll keep you on, on speed dial too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I sent you a YouTube video before we got here yeah. tonight. <laughs> I've always got a YouTube video just ready to yeah, go. Ready no, to go. Yeah. You've got some goodies. It's like. It's like our other friend pulling a gun out in Vancouver. It's yeah. me with a YouTube video. Here's one. <laughs> yeah. It's your calling card. That's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, just recently, though, I started actually liking and favoriting YouTube videos. Does it change the alg- algorithm? Yes, it does. Yeah. But I've realized that like I've watched so many good YouTube videos that I want to watch again mm-hmm. someday. And I'm like, I have to search for them like an idiot because yeah. I didn't do anything with them to save them. Yeah. But if you like it, then it automatically goes to a playlist of liked videos. Hmm. I never like anything, so I think I may do that now. Or you hit the save button and then you can send it to a custom playlist of some theme that you want to give. And then you can hide those playlists from anyone else viewing. Okay. Yeah, I should look into that more. I usually just go and type. Sure. So there are things that could make my life easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Yep. All right, buddy. Well, I think we should uh, wrap this up for now. 
Yeah, we should. Yeah. I agree with you. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. My you, first podcast. I'm so glad you came over. It was awesome. It was awesome. Cool. Maxwell's Kitchen. Yep. Do you have the .com? I have sharkfin.com. Okay. Yes, yes, of course. Presented by Sharkfin. Yes. Of course. So that is, that's like the, the, the vehicle for anything that I come up with. Yes. And just send it there. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah, man. All right. Well, till next time. Maxwell's Kitchen signing off for now. Mm-hmm.